My name's Jim Derrick, and welcome to another edition of Chapters. On today's program, we're going to have a conversation about something that has fascinated me for years, the ancient art of yoga, meditation, and spiritual enlightenment and their role in attaining emotional health. In studio today, we have author Stu Klein, who has written two books on the subject. Also in studio, we have Angela Cody, the owner of Sacred Tree Yoga Studio, located right here in Norfolk, Massachusetts. So stay tuned as we have a wide-ranging discussion about the practical applications of this ancient form of healing. All that and much more coming up next on Chapters. Welcome to another edition of Chapters. My name is Jim Derrick, and today in studio, we're going to have a great conversation about the practice of yoga, meditation, and spiritual wellness, and really its impact on people's emotional health, both short and long term. These are practices that go back thousands of years. Uh, recently, I think they become more and more mainstream as people realize the benefits and the practical applications of these in their lives. So I'd like to introduce uh, Stu Klein, who's an author, uh, who's written two books on this subject, and Angela Cody, the owner of Sacred Tree Yoga Studio, located right here in Norfolk, Massachusetts. Welcome to you both. Thank you, Jim. Hey, everybody. So um, just a little backstory. I met first Angela down at her studio, uh, Sacred Tree Yoga, which is at uh, down on Holbrook Street in Norfolk. And we'll give you more information on Sacred Tree uh, later in the show. Uh, had just an incredible experience and have continued to have an incredible experience. We, uh, The Safe Coalition uh, is now uh, sponsoring yoga every Friday evening. And, um, and that is for healing, for recovery, for people that suffer from substance use disorder, from people, frankly, that are in recovery from anything. And I think we're all in recovery from something. So it's, it's pretty broad reaching. We just had an incredible experience. And I have been intrigued by Angela's story, by her practice. And uh, it leaves me wanting more. So I really thought this would be a wonderful show. However, that's where only half of the story started. I then met her husband, Stu. Stu is, has written two books, and I highly recommend that when you go into Sacred Tree and you see these laying on the counter, that you ask Angela if you could buy a couple of these books. So there are two iterations to this book. There's Wisdom, Magic, and Miracles, which are tools for today and wisdom for life. That is the book that I most recently read. Stu was kind enough to come into the studio today with another, his second book for me, which is, again, titled Wisdom, Magic, Miracles, and More. And this one is Learning Life's Lessons Before It's Too Late. So, guys, I am really thrilled to have you in the studio uh, just to have a wide-ranging discussion and see where it goes. So welcome to you both. Angela, tell us a little bit about yoga, the practice of yoga, meditation, and uh, its role in your life, mm -hmm. personally. Thanks, Jim, for the invitation to be here today. Really grateful to have this opportunity. And I'm so in such a great state of happiness to be able to share some of the tools that have helped me in my life. So if I were to take a moment to reflect on some of the things that have happened in my life and where I was and where I am today, I can say that it was through the practice of yoga that I'm in a place now where I find a lot of peace and happiness and contentment in my life. But it wasn't always like that mm. when I was you know younger I was always striving and trying to always achieve a lot and to be able to get there in a place that required a lot of uh, working and 
dedication to that work. And it's not to say I'm not dedicated to what I do now, but it's a different format. Before, I had a drive more towards money and materialism. And that has really shifted in my life because I saw that what that was bringing to me was not satisfaction, and it was bringing more a lot of stress and anxiety into my life. And as a result, I had to take a t some time to reflect and understand why I was driven in that direction and what I could do to change my life so that I wasn't on this roller coaster ride of life and to be able to find a place that was so much more um, in relation to what was right for my mind, my body, and my spirit. So as I started doing a lot of investigative work inside, I started to have these feelings of there was a lot more that was going on inside of me than outside of me. And as we know, that term is introspection. And when we can go into a place of introspection and take the ego out of the equation and start to take a moment to reflect upon our hearts and to be able to look within our hearts to find answers. So I started to do that and through that introspection and looking within my heart I was able to find the path of um, yoga. I find that to be so compelling. My experience has been that when I get to a state of restlessness irritableness, mm -hmm. discontent mm -hmm. in my life in the past, I have often reached for outside things in order to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> that is a tiring thing to do. And uh, it also gave me, oh, I don't know, a new, new car smell wears off in about five minutes, maybe seven days after I was happy with that car. And I said, darn it all, that's not it. Maybe it's a bigger home. Um, how did you how did you break out from that? Were you were you always introspective or did you what did you have a, a, a mentor in this process? Mm -hmm. Good question. You know, a lot of it is that feeling of when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes. And yeah. when you get to that place, you start to say there's got to be some other answers. And yes, I've had many mentors along the way, and to name each one would, would be here for quite a while. Yeah. Some of my mentors have been actual physical teachers that I have encountered along my journey, as well as teachers through materials such as books and just people who are role models in mm -hmm. the place of, of mindfulness. So one of my um, primary focuses through the practice is mindfulness. So mindfulness is being here and now in the present moment. The past is the past. The future is not here yet. Where we live is where our feet are. So the purpose is to really bring people into a place of living life and living life is here and now in the moment. There's nothing other than this very moment. So if we can start to honor our minds, bodies, and spirits by bringing them into this present moment, we can find a place of a lot of greater joy and happiness in our lives. And the yoga, practice of yoga and meditation, I'm, I'm going to use some words here that, that I identify with, mainstream. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hear people talking about yoga, talking about meditation. Now, pro athletes, uh, entertainers, uh, the typical high-profile people, but then all the way down to people, you know, my age in our 50s. Uh, I, I shared with you before the show, my dad's in his 80s, and he's just discovered meditation. Um, uh, meditation and yoga are not new practices. <laughs> They've been around for thousands of years, uh, quite literally, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So <clears throat> here we are almost playing catch-up. And, and um, uh, I know for me, and again, speaking from my experience, being going through 
your classes, uh, whether it be restorative yoga or a more meditative type of yoga, um, someone said to me on the way out that I least expected to hear this from, that was like a massage of my mind. And uh, that's really how you feel. It, it is, as you said, it freezes you in the, in the moment and causes you to really experience what it's like to be alive in the here and now. And that would have sounded very foreign to me before I, we met. But when you experience it, you know it because I have lived 57 years, except for maybe my infancy, of living in the future, usually with one foot in the past, and sometimes alternating back and forth, very little time in the present. Stu, I wanted to bring you into the conversation. Um, you, uh, you have written these books, and, and you have a men's group that meets on Friday nights. That's correct. At, at Sacred Tree. And I, I want to ask you, how did you come to to the point in your life where you felt that you had something to share that was worth writing a book over, which, by the way, it certainly was because they're, if they're wonderful tools, and that's what they are. These are tools in my tool belt. Now, how did you get to that point of transformation where you said, you know, I feel like I have something to say and I want to write it down and I want to bring people into the conversation? Wow, great question. So um, <clears throat> probably after about a decade of self-help and doing all my work, getting right with my past, my childhood, and acquiring all this knowledge, um, I decided that I was going to write it down because I was forgetting a lot of it. I was teaching it to people around me, and then one day a guy I was working with threw it back at me, and we just cried laughing. And I said, I cannot forget this one. So at that point, I decided that I was going to start writing all this wisdom down that I had acquired in the last decade. And then my wife told me that it was going to become a book and it wasn't just going to have the wisdom in it. It was also going to have an analogy from, from personally, from my experience with it. And it was going to be kept very simple. And that's how the first book um, started. And so this was my way of wanting to share what I had learned and I had achieved peace and happiness. And this was my way of sharing it. And um, so everybody could get exposed to what I got exposed to. And, um, what an inspiration. I mean, and, and I must say that, again, speaking from my own experience, uh, my dad used to drive by cemeteries and he used to say to me, Jim, those places are filled with regrets for projects unstarted, for dreams unrealized, because people talk themselves out of them. Um, it would have been easy for me, had I been you, to say, well, maybe my message only resonates with my friend. Maybe my wife's just being nice to me. But what I've found being in your company um, is that your willingness to have these conversations, and this is not a monologue still, it's a discussion. Correct. Right. It's just not me. Yeah, it's not a self-help book that says this is what you do every day. You do an affirmation in the mirror and then move on, right? Right. Right. I mean, I so for me, that's that's the inspiring thing is it's an invitation more than anything to engage with each other. And how often do we do that? I mean, that's not what Facebook really does, I don't think, that effectively. No. Right. Right. Um so you have a men's group where you where you sit and you and you discuss. You have a theme for the evening and you discuss. Sure. Tools for today, you know, um, like what Angela was saying, we really focus on the moment and getting right with the moment. Tools for what happens when we do decide to be into the moment. Okay, right. so I realize I'm in the future, I'm having an anxiety attack. I become aware that I'm in the future because I'm having anxiety. So the tool would be to reel it back into the moment. And um, so what do I do now that I'm here? So we talk about the breath 
focus on the breath. Mm -hmm. it's, in, it's impossible to have an anxiety attack and be focusing on your breath in the moment at the same time. Right. We can also focus on uh, gratitude. Mm -hmm. We can focus on um, positivity, mm -hmm. what's right with our day instead of what's wrong with our day. Mm -hmm. um, it's real easy to, it's the path of least resistance, um, what's right with our day and instead of what's wrong with our day. So everybody's going to tell you what's wrong with their day, right. but no one's going to tell you what's right with their day. So right. someone gave me that tool and I practice that tool and it really works. And you know, what a powerful, powerful thing, uh, particularly Angela, I'm going to be a little bit kind of separate the genders a little bit because, um, I'm 57 years old. And when I grew up, men didn't talk about this type of thing. And, um, it is extremely empowering when you find, uh, and I'm just going to let our listeners in on a secret. You can't see Stu. Uh, he's a rather uh, large man in stature. Um, he has a very gentle smile and very gentle eyes. But um, you, you wouldn't walk down the street and said, oh, that's the guy that wrote Wisdom, Magic, Miracles, and more. It's just, you know, you would think it might be a professor. Or, you know, and so all of our preconceived notions, which is in a lesson in, in and of itself, it's been a very powerful lesson for me. It's a paradox. Right. Right. It's great. It's great. Um, before we go on, I just want to remind everybody, we are speaking, having a great conversation with Angela Cody, who owns Sacred Tree Yoga Studios in Norfolk, Massachusetts, and my friend Stu Klain, who has, is Angela's husband, uh, has a business called Harley Healers, and, and importantly, uh, shares his wisdom through two books, Wisdom, Magic, and Miracles, and um, highly recommend that you get over to Sacred Tree. Uh, meet Stu on a Friday night. Uh, he's there at 7 o'clock. Uh, say hello to Angela and, um, and, and take advantage of the offerings that they have over there. I wanted to do, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to read one of my favorite passages. You talk about anxiety. Fear knocked, faith answered. Um, most humans have unpleasant reactions to life, such as anger, ego, hatred, judgment, and dishonesty, which are all fear-based emotions. When we become aware and are able to put a name to the emotion that we have been feeling all our life, then we get an opportunity to change and not let fear call the shots in our life. The answer is to trust and believe in God and walk through our fears. The magic and miracles wait for you on the other side. I have that marked and I read that relatively religiously at home because um, I think that that captures it beautifully. Can you talk to me a little bit about the role of fear in our lives? Absolutely. So when I look back at my childhood and my um, teenage years and um, I was so afraid, I didn't even know I was afraid. I knew the feeling, but I didn't know what the word was. So when I became aware that all of these things I was doing in my life was because of fear, um, that's when I could not let fear call the shots in my day today. And uh, with the help of uh, people, I was able to, with their guidance, walk through these particular fears that I had, which if I told you what it was, you'd be, oh, you're afraid of that? I do that every day. Everybody has different fears. So when I became aware of my fears, that's when um, I was able to walk through them. And when I got to the other side, I, I giggled because there was truly nothing to be afraid of. Since then, I found out that someone told me that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. I love that. I've and heard. that is, it's, a, it's illusion 
It's um, it's not real. It's a conditioned response of the past is what it really is. By definition, it's not real. Correct. Right. right. It's all in our mind. What, what a fascinating thing. And, and so, you know, you talk about the solution being faith. And so how do you define faith, Stu? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, I can just feel it. That's mm-hmm. it. And I see it working amongst people, mm-hmm. you know, and I just trust and believe. And there's so many different names of it. I read a book. It said the spirit is the same in, in everything. Mm-hmm. So everybody has a different name for it. Uh, we use universe. You know, we use great spirit. We use God. There, there isn't a wrong name right. if, if for me practicing spirituality. It's whatever you want to believe in. Um, I don't believe there is a wrong God. And so when you just trust and believe in it and turn your life over and stop driving the bus, because when I when I drive the bus, nothing good happens. When I started practicing turning it over, that's when the magic started happening, and that's why I know that, and I feel it, and I see it. So it's um, I can't. Well, I could if I wanted to, but I can't argue with with what I've experienced in my life, the transformation. Right, right. Angela. Um, that that whole notion notion of practice. Um, the practice, bringing into our practice today is, is, is what you say every time uh, a yoga session starts. Stu just used the word, and he used the word he feels it. He feels faith. Um, it's not something that, that just comes out of the blue necessarily to everybody, right? It, it does take work, and it does take practice, and it does take intention, would that be, could you kind of help me with that? Oh, you are very accurate with what you said. I feel a lot of people will sometimes come into the studio and we're a society of quick fixes. We think that we're going to have an instant result when we come in and, and start something, but that's why we phrase it practice. A practice takes time and a practice is for our life. It's not something that we are going to practice once and then we're going to be able to obtain or achieve great results from the immediate start. It's a gradual process and it's a process that we commit ourselves to and so that we're committing to something that's truly for our highest and best. So through that commitment and through the practice, the practice can come in different forms. So when you come into the studio, the practice involves both a physical practice and a practice that helps and affects the mind and that integrates the spirit. So through these actions that we take, it allows us to be centered within ourselves and help us the body movements or the postures that we do help us to breathe and center and keep in a per- place of being able to to um, move that's helping us to keep our attention inward mm-hmm. and through that intention or intention of being inward we can be able to be mindful and once again it, it takes time and it takes practice and never to get discouraged it's like the first time you got on a bicycle you didn't ride it without those training wheels mm-hmm. it took time and it's a uh, once again it's a step by step mm-hmm. so like I said you know it's not like when we were born we just got up and started running one day we had to take it and through its different phases of being able to to uh, crawl and then to be able to walk and then to run. So same thing. It's it's beautiful if we can be patient with ourselves mm-hmm. and patient with our minds and our bodies and yeah. our spirits. Well, I, I love the way you phrase that. And patience is a cornerstone for me in my experience. And I've only recently, mm, my wife would argue with me, I think I've learned a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's being patient and tolerant and actually liking who I am. Um, which is important because I didn't, I, I, you know, used to fight these types of things. And I think there was a, there was some self-loathing going on that would put a wall up and say, Jim, 
this isn't for you. You don't have the ability to go to this next level. Stu's too smart. Angela's too peaceful and smart. You know, how could I, how could they ever want to make it? And, and I, I'm making a point in that there are a lot of people I see in, in the yoga studios now, happily, that have said to me, this is something I would have never done if it hadn't been offered, if it hadn't brought to my attention. And, and now they can't wait to get back. And I think there's a real hunger for this type of thing which is really going back to the basic essential, the core of who we are. I mean, the fact is, fact of the matter is we've been practicing getting into our materialism, our consumption, right, in, in all of these ways for many, many years. We've been conditioned to think just the opposite. So it's going to take time to, 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 to move through that. Um, what do you see, Angela, in terms of people do like results. They like to hear about results. So, and, and I want to ask you about what are the results you see mm -hmm. of people coming in and practicing yoga, meditating, engaging with mm -hmm. Stu on, in men's groups, mm -hmm. going to this, to this different plane, if you will. Well, if I were to look at our society in general, we have a very fast-paced society mm -hmm. who are always trying to ch achieve greater and achieve more mm -hmm. externally. And so through that, you start to realize that people are starting to come into the awareness that there's something more. Mm -hmm. And so when they begin a practice, it may be uncomfortable for them because they're not accustomed to coming into a place of stillness mm -hmm. or slowing down. Mm -hmm. So we try to really encourage people to come in and, and slow slow down and it takes a bit of an adjustment. It's like being, if we were to compare it to driving a stick shift, most people are in the fifth gear and they live in fifth gear and that's more of living in their sympathetic nervous system where they're very stressful and, and intense. We used to call it crazy busy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I shudder when I hear that now, mm -hmm. but that was like a catch word when we had kids running around the soccer field. I'm crazy busy. Mm-hmm. I think we would have been better off just saying, I'm crazy. <laughs> right, right. But please continue. Yeah, yeah and yeah. So, so for a person who's accustomed to being in fifth gear all the time, yeah. to expect that they're going to get an instant result of going into first gear, we know that that would be a lot of crunching of the gears, right? So this is really about how can I take myself and descend quickly into this, being able to go smoothly and flow with it as you shift your own gears from fifth, to fourth, to third, to second, to first. So it takes time to, I like to say, unwind. You're unwinding your energy. You're going from this very quick pace and starting to find you're slowing down until you get into this stillness. And when you get to that stillness or that ability to even slow down, you start to see the results. What are the results? The results are my mind is starting to become aware of the difference between being in the past and in the future and being in the present moment. I'm starting to feel the awareness that I start to feel a little bit more relaxed. I can feel my heartbeat slowing down. I can feel my breath slowing down. I can start to feel I sleep better at night. I have less stress. I can find that I'm even my body. I'm starting to become more flexible in my body. I'm becoming more flexible in my mind. I'm able to find that I'm finding things that I, once I used to react to, I'm now responding to. So there's all these different effects that, you know, I'll have people come to the studio and they'll be very consistent for a period of time and then something will interrupt their flow, maybe 
different things that have come into their lives and then they come back and they'll say wow I really miss that and and I, f- I could feel a difference in my mind and my body from missing it and now I'm so happy to be back and you know we all go through those ebbs and flows sure. and I always say don't judge yourself you know this is about being able to say you know what I'm glad you're back I'm glad you're back into your rhythm because remember this is about each individual person it's not necessarily about me in the studio or Stu and being the Harley healer and writing the books it's about Stu and I both are here because we want to continue to give tools to people that they can utilize in their daily life the tools are not to be utilized just in the room when I'm teaching or when Stu is having discussions with the men we're giving you stuff to take with you take these and bring them out into your daily life right I I, I love that you said that I I want to uh, remind people you just heard Angela Cody Uh, Angela owns Sacred Tree Yoga Studio in Norfolk Massachusetts and we are also speaking with her husband Stu Klain who has written two books Wisdom Magic and Miracles and they are tools for today and wisdom for life Uh, and and I will tell you I'm really enjoying this conversation there were two words that you brought up earlier that I really honed in on reacting versus responding Mm -hmm. Can you both kind of chime in on what that means to you? Anytime we're encountering a situation in our lives and we are not mindful of the situation, we can sometimes react in a negative way. Our ego steps into the equation and our ego reacts and it usually could be very negative and it can have a detrimental effect on ourselves as well as other people that are experiencing that with us. So if we can have the right tools that are given to us, those tools can help us so that we respond to life. So you know that expression that's been around for years, don't sweat the small stuff because it's all small stuff, Yes. right? So I'll give you an example of of it. You know, people around here especially do a lot of commuting. They're driving in their cars. People are rushing constantly and they're, they're driving and somebody cuts them off. So somebody could react to that situation, be angry, and you know the results of sometimes when people are angry when they're driving and they cut off. We know that anything can happen between swearing to making unpleasant um, reactions with their hands. So instead, you know, stop for a moment and just breathe through it and say, you know what, if they're in a hurry, they're in a hurry. I don't have to be in a hurry. I'm going to respond to the situation by just backing off a little bit, breathing through it. I'm safe in my car. I'm grateful that I have my vehicle to drive and I'm on my way to work. And so, you know, in those situations can be many. And I'm sure, Stu, you can give another example of how people respond versus react. One thing I learned was reacting was fear-based. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd done that my whole life because no one ever gave me tools and I was unaware that I was afraid. So if somebody reacted towards me, I would react back. And that's, since then, I've heard that called ego versus ego. So I became aware of this and I didn't want to be asleep and be like everybody else, creating ego versus ego. So I've learned to take a step back and um, sometimes I, the tool was to close my mouth or not do any type of physical gesture, which is what I used to do all the time. And it never got me anywhere. It actually just haunted me for the next two days of if course. I had done that. Yeah. So um, the new tool was to don't react, 
take a step back, close my mouth, call my spiritual advisor, and get a tool to use um, to how to deal with that particular situation. So that's really using your wise mind versus um, letting the ego and fear call the shot. Can we talk a minute about ego? Um, because to the un, relatively uneducated, to the newbie, to this sort of thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy. And I grew up, you know, learning that guys beat their chests. That's what we do. And we stake our claim to our territory. And we, and we box people out because we want to get what's ours. We're hunters, gatherers, and, and we want to keep, keep the world at bay. And, and God forbid we ever have a conversation like this with another guy. Life's over. You might as well. You're done, right? So that's how I was trained. And, and to me, that, that's my ego just growing incredibly big. I may, I may be wrong on, on that term, but, but that's how I feel. That's what I related to ego. I, I built this, frankly, false sense of self. So I had a sense of who I was in high school, and I played a role. I was an actor in a play, and I played the role, and I pl- played it pretty well. And people kind of liked me. Then I went to college and I got to reinvent myself. The good news was people really thought I was cool. The bad news is there was no authenticity in that. So anyway, I'm interested in this concept of ego and the role that it plays in how you take ego and put it in its right place so you live with intention and live in peace and not in conflict. Yeah, that's deep. Um, that's so diverse, it's hard, but I mean, I'll mean, i try to give you the, the amount that, that I know about it. And I recently learned a lot from Eckhart Tolle about what the ego truly is. Um, so when I was growing up, I thought ego was, I thought it meant I was better than you. And I thought that's all that it ever was. But the truth is, it is it's that and so much more. Mm-hmm. It's also, I'm less than you. So Eckhart explains that we're, we're constantly saying to ourselves, am I better than you or am I less than you? So that's really, um, that's, that's really ego. He also explains that ego we, is the ultimate attacher and it's also an addict. No matter how much you feed it, it'll never be satisfied. For instance, um, a lot of people get attached to trauma that's happened in the past and that's their story. Eckhart says the ego is your story. So it's it's who you were or this is what you had or this is the trauma that that happened to you. So we take bring that into present day. That's ego. Also, well, you know, I'm going to be a doctor in eight years. So then it also plays on the future. And it the ego's job is to make sure that we are not in the moment. In fact, um, Eckhart says it finds the moment most distasteful. Wow. It has no power in the moment. So that's why it's called the power of now. So if we are in the moment doing our life's purpose, whatever that is, whether it's good, whether, whether we deem it good or we don't, we like this or we don't like this. If we can just be a human being in this moment, then we are without ego. And, and so, you know, Earlier, you said that you didn't want to be asleep, that you wanted to wake up. Correct. And 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 I find that uh, that's the very powerful statement because um, that's living with intention and that's true. That's honoring um, yourself in the moment and the feelings that you have without respect to uh, the training that we've received, if you will, over time. It's untraining that training and becoming authentic. Correct. Would that? Am I capturing that? Yes. Yes. So um, when people are asleep, they live in the past and they live in the future, much like when we close our eyes and we go to sleep and we um, 
are not responsible for what happens when we go to sleep at night. Would you say that was correct? Yes. When people aren't living in the moment and they live in the past and the future, they also are not responsible for what they do because they are theoretically asleep. Mm -hmm. So when we awaken, when we have the awakening and say, why, why am I not happy? Why do I suffer from anxiety and depression? And we realize that we get a tool that we can make a plan for the day and stay conscious in the moment and we stay in the moment, then we can stay awake. Mm -hmm. But we can also drift away and fall back asleep. So that's the whole thing is staying conscious in the moment. It's and not that's easy. part of the practice. It's not Correct. easy. You just said it. That's it's right. If it's easy, easy, everybody be doing it. Right. Right. Um, I, you know, and, and I work with a, uh, with a substance use disorder coalition. So much of these disorders arise out of what you're talking about. Um, I'll never forget having a young, young son uh, and taking him to a psychologist. He was showing signs of severe anxiety disorder at seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, fear. And uh, he was prescribed benzodiazepine, uh, clonopin, Xanax, lorazepam, whatever it was. Unfortunately, that was then. Happily, this is now. Uh, these are the types of tools that we have available. Um, can you talk to me, Angela, a little bit about, I'm always interested in the topic of vulnerability and how vulnerability plays into someone being able to engage in this type of practice, mm -hmm. whether it be yoga, whether it be mindful meditation, whether it be conversation like we're having with Stu and exploring uh, all of these really neat topics. Mm -hmm. That's a great segue from the ego to vulnerability mm -hmm. because vulnerability is really letting the ego be put out of the way because our ego can talk us out of doing things that are for our highest and best. Mm -hmm. So if we can just say, you know, the ego has its place. You know, there are those times where you need the ego for analysis or you need the ego to just, you know, work in the benefit of being able to have logic in our lives. But it's when we misuse the ego and the ego prevents us from being able to develop and to excel in different areas of our lives. So if we can just, in this particular case, say that we're going to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, it's really truly translating into, I'm going to open myself up to a new opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people coming back to that word fear, have the fear of trying something new. Like if I step into something new, will I be judged. The only person that would be judging is the person themselves. So one of the things that we really try to emphasize in the practice of yoga is there's no competition and there's no comparison. And when we can say there's no competition and no comparison, we are coming together as a community. We're here to support each other. And through that support, we're not looking at each other and judging each other. We're in this together to help evolve ourselves to grow to develop to learn new tools to help us get into that place of coming out of the stresses the anxieties the discontentment and being able to come into that place of I deserve once again self-worth I deserve to be happy I deserve to be joyful I deserve to live a life that is fluid and I can flow with a natural rhythm of the universe. Right. Well, thank you for that. Thank you very much for that. I I uh, can tell you that um, I'm going to make a confession because it's safe to do so here. I have a table in between us and all this fancy equipment that I open my eyes in the middle of yoga and I look to see if I'm doing the pose right. 
And if I see my neighbors doing it better than me and you've challenged us, you say, if it's comfortable to go to this level, go to this. If you really want to stretch it, go to this. I'm always trying to, you know, get up and be better than, you know. So this is training. It's it's retraining because that's my old mind saying, Jim, you got to you got to go for it, man. This is the Olympics, you know, <laughs> and it's not about it's not about really about what's going on inside of you. It's about how do you compare to other people, which is the opposite of what we're trying to. I always find that funny because I, you know, peeking and looking at what other people are doing is kind of silly. Um, but in any event, um, you're very, very good and very supportive. Um, and that's why I think people are so attracted to your to your practice into your space um is that you know you don't have to be a gymnast mm-hmm. i want people to understand this when they hear yoga this is about uh whatever you're capable of doing and that's it number one mm-hmm. and number two it's a it's a spiritual journey for me it has been mm-hmm. um and same with same with Stu. before i do that i do want to remind our listeners you're listening to chapters radio my name is jim derrick you can find us on my podcast at www.chaptersradio.com and we are speaking with angela cody of sacred tree yoga studios in norfolk and also with her husband Stu clean um i had another passage in this book that i love and i hope you don't mind if i read it and this has to do with expectation let's take a listen to the, to what Stu. has has to say here how many times have you expected something from somebody and they continue to fall short of your expectation then you become angry and start thinking unpleasant thoughts about that person instead try thinking high hopes with no expectations if you have no expectations you will have a lot more peace in your life then if someone gives you something it will be a pleasant surprise how cool is that I think it is. It's a, once again, paradox. Expectation is premeditated resentment. You know, um, that's not a tool that I've ever heard before. It's not something in mainstream. And I would say almost nobody practices that. But when you do dare to practice that, your life will change. I assume that there's there's a sense of inner peace that comes about that. Because you don't have somebody playing a role in front of you that you say, I know the ending to this and this is how they have to behave in order for me to be happy. We cannot control people, places, or things. Our ego will tell us we can. As soon as we become aware that we can't, then we will stop expecting things from somebody. Mm -hmm. Now, I I think that, you know, if you go to the supermarket and you pay money, you're going to get a loaf of bread, then you can probably expect that you're going to get a loaf of bread. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this needs to be used with the higher mind. Um, So none of this stuff makes sense at first. And that's the whole thing about spirituality. A lot of it is paradoxical. It does, a lot of it is like, well, that doesn't sound right to me. But when we dare to open up our minds and say, well, you know, I'm going to dare to incorporate this tool in, into my day and just watch what happens. We have nothing to lose. So when we dare to incorporate spirituality into our day, you know, we don't have anything to lose. Um, we have everything to gain, which could possibly be peace of mind and happiness. And I like what it says in my book. It says, if you don't think this will work for you, your misery will be happily refunded. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. We that, have nothing that, to lose. Yeah, and it, that should be on the back. By the way, there is a money back guarantee on this book. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love that. Um my instinct years ago, and maybe even till recently, to be perfectly candid, would have been to say, this is all nice and mushy stuff, but 
you know, I don't want to sit around and contemplate things for the rest of my life. I got to go out and make some dough. And you know what? The fact of the matter is people do need to support their families. They do need to live in the world. How would you respond to that? What, what does this do for people that are engaged in the busy life? They have two careers. They have children at home. They, they, they live on the edge, maybe paycheck to paycheck. They have real fears, real fears, real worries. What can, what can incorporating a practice like this do for someone? You know, great question. So the fear, once again, is projecting into the future. You know, it's okay if you have two jobs and you have three kids and you have a mortgage, which, you know, is, which is what we need. The fear that, that they don't think they're going to have everything they need tomorrow, the end of the week, the end of the month, a year when the kids go to college. So the fear is always a futuristic thing. So I always like to ask people and I often ask myself, I say, do you have everything that you need today? Mm -hmm. Do you have food? Do you have clothes? Do you have shelter? If you have all those things today, you have everything you need for happiness. Right. So, uh, so Stu, devil's advocate here. I have incredible goals for this company. I'm at a million now. I want to be at five million within two years. How can I just sit around and say I have everything I need today? What about tomorrow? Okay, so then that's the ego inside of you telling you that you don't have enough right here, right now. So it takes you on that futuristic journey, causing complications, causing anxiety, complicating your life. So I would tell anybody, we have to keep it simple. We have to keep it day. The ego tells us that we, we're not enough and we don't have enough. So if we choose to let the ego call the shots in our lives, then we will be crazy busy, you know, dying of anxiety, looking for mind-altering substances to try to, to relieve us of these, but it doesn't work. Um, so the answer really is simplicity, simplicity as well as keeping it in the day, keeping it in the moment. It, it amazes me. Thank you for that. Um, I, I look at the highest achieving athletes, um, corporate leaders that I respect and all this, and this is the type of thing they're engaged in. This is, the, you know, they, they work, they, they take care of their bodies and they take care of their spiritual lives. And amazing things happen because they're in the present. They're in the moment. They see the success when it happens. They're not five years out forecasting. Right. They celebrate what's happening right then and there. Mm -hmm. Would that be... Accurate. That's why the Super Bowl was so exciting for everybody. Everybody was in the moment. However, everyone was unconscious that they were in the moment. They just know that they were having a good time. So it's easy to be in the moment when we're having a good time. It's harder to be in the moment when we're not having a good time. You know, Bono um, from U2, one of, my, one of my favorite bands, but Bono <laughs> is notorious for stopping people from videoing him, not because he doesn't want to be on someone's cell phone, but he literally, there's a cut on YouTube if someone wants to see it, of Bono saying, would you please just look at me? I'm right here. You don't need to video this. I'm right here. Experience this right now. And I thought to myself at the time, what a jerk. And then I thought, how enlightened. I mean, how brilliant. He's talking to a 22-year-old kid just saying, come on, man, I'm right here. You don't need to have your cell phone in front of you. And I think he even takes it away and then invites him up on stage and, and they have a moment. Um, my grandfather said to me, um, he was a commercial fisherman, um, and he I was his first mate when I was a little kid. He was a great guy. And we go and harpoon swordfish, and I kind of feel bad now because it's up for the fish, but <laughs> but we did pretty well. Um, and um, uh, I will never forget 
me asking him, Grant, can I bring a Polaroid camera out on the can- on the uh, boat with us? And he said, absolutely not. And I said, why not? We can't afford a Polaroid. I mean, come on, man, this is cool. And he said, no. He said, that will ruin the memory. The memory lives in your mind. And frankly, it lives right here in my heart. And um, the memories are much more powerful film reel than anything that could be put on onto a piece of paper. Yeah, but people don't know that. I didn't. Right. And that was his incredible wisdom coming from a commercial fisherman. Angela, um, I've seen transformation in people. And on this program, I have the, the incredible honor of interviewing cancer survivors, people that are living with cancer that are presently dying, mm-hmm. um, dying from their disease, from their illness, people in all sorts of states of um, trauma, whether they've lost children. And, and it's a storytelling program, and, and the stories of survival and resilience are just amazing. The one common thread I have that I hear from these people is awareness, is being awake. Um, and I've often told my kids, not because I was somehow enlightened, but we all, if you just, if you haven't had trouble in your life, just wait. You just haven't lived long enough, or maybe you're not paying attention, you know, one of the two. So it's coming our way. I've, I've tried to encourage them to be prepared. Be prepared. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for joy and tragedy because it's all coming. How you see this practice develop resilience in people, develop what I call courage, which to me is walking through fear. Mm -hmm. How How do you see that prepare the table for people? I like how you brought that in because, you know, we talk about awareness. And I'm going to quote my husband on this one, awareness, attitude, and action. So when we can become aware, and so by people coming to the practice, they become aware of themselves. They start to discover, as we like to say, peeling back those layers of ourselves. You know, we're very, like you said, how at one time you were very superficial. And I was too. I was in that same place. And and I had to start peeling back those layers of myself to go deeper in. And many of us become afraid of peeling back those layers of what we're going to discover. It's so much easier to look at everyone else as we come back to that word judgment and judge what he or she is doing or how they're doing something in a situation. But when we can pull it back once again to ourselves and we can peel back our awareness, we can look within to see what do we need to shift and change. We have that courage to start to look within and know that once we look within, yeah, there might be some things that we might look at and find challenging or difficult, but knowing that I'm willing to look at this and I'm willing to shift it. I'm ready to shift it. And that's a part of your attitude that I'm willing, I'm willing. And then the action is actually doing it. So the action is being able to be committed to your self-help and whatever your self-help is, whether it's coming to a men's discussion group, Mm. I have a women's discussion group on Mm. Wednesday nights, you know, whether it's coming to your practice, whether it's doing meditation, it's taking that time to reflect and not only by yourself. Stu and I always say this, that we can't heal ourselves. You know, if we try to start living inside our own head, things can go uh, just awry. Sideways Uh, Go sideways pretty quick. Exactly. So when you can be in a place where you're feeling, you know, what does this mean? And when we can't decipher it ourselves, that's where we have a person who we can trust in that can help us and a community 
that can help fellowship. us. It's that fellowship. It's mm-hmm. that integration of people and being able to support each other. So that's what I always love to say at the end of my practice, at the studio, you know, we, we get centered at the end of it and we honor ourselves. We honor the earth. We honor the sky and we honor the unity within our own community. This is how we as a society can make shifts and change. We're not separate. So many people feel alone and feel separate. And that is because we live inside ourselves only. And we don't experience the experience through the guidance and the help of people who are on the path. So, you know, being on the path is, you know, just because maybe I'm a couple steps, you know, up further on the path, we're all on the same path. Right. There's no delineation or no difference between me or you. It's just that maybe guess what? I may have acquired a couple more tools before you, but I want to share my tools with you. So Stu and I, ultimately our goal is to keep giving people some information that can help them. Ta- I always say, take what resonates, leave the rest behind. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, I listen to both of you and I, and I've been in your company and I see humility. And I think humility is an enormous part of this is that you are both learning as you go. You learn always. from other people. Stu, I'm sure you learn from newcomers all the time. Um, everyone's a teacher. That's mm-hmm. what was taught to me. You're going to tell me, I'm going to learn from you what to do or what not to do. But humility is the opposite of ego. So once I became aware that I'm an egomaniac with an inferiority complex, I decided that I did want to practice humility, and it was something that I wanted to um, seek. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so just for today, I'm trying to practice humility. You know, um, the reason I had Stu and Angela in is uh, is because I have found, um, first of all, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. And um, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I have I have been so blessed to have been able to uh, attend uh, Angela's practice to meet Stu and really to have an opportunity to explore more about what's going on inside of myself. I will tell you that I, um, like everybody, have my challenges. Um, I am challenging <laughs> to my wife uh, and to my family. And that's the other side of it, is that it's not just a, a personal thing, but you, you bring a different energy away from you when you're engaged in this type of practice. And I used to be uh, told that, uh, in the spirit of candor, that um, I was capable of creating a toxic atmosphere. <laughs> my home and 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 if you're listening i would guilty as charged Um, (laughs) but but the opposite has also been true and and um i just want to thank you both uh for coming in and for sharing so openly i'm really looking forward and i i want to give everybody again um information so that they can find you sacred tree yoga is located at 65 holbrook street suite 110 in the town of Norfolk. It's down off of Route 115. You see the power lines, and there's a new condo development in there. There's a strip mall. It's great space. Get down there. Say hi to Angela on Friday nights. I, I, that's when Stu's there for his men's group at 7. Um, again, uh, to me, this is, this is what we do um, on this radio program is we tell stories and these are two of the best storytellers that I know. Uh, and they bring, uh, they bring practices to your life that can, uh, that can quite literally save you from anxiety, from fear and propel you in an, into, um, 
directions that you might not have thought ever were possible. So as we've talked about all along, Stu has uh, two books. He has um, Wisdom, Magic, Miracles, and More, which is the orange uh, compass on the cover. And he argues that that's the uh, simpler version of the two books, more simpler to simple to digest. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to argue with that. I think uh, it's it's a very, very valuable tool that's uh, as complicated as it is simple. Uh, in addition to that, he has a uh, book, Wisdom, Magic, Miracles, and More, Learning Life's Lessons Before It's Too Late. That's his most recent book. And uh, folks, you can find that on Amazon.com, either of these books. Uh, They're available there. They're also available at the Sacred Tree Yoga Studio. If you go to Amazon, you can search for the books by title or by their author, S.C. Klain, K-L-A-N-E. And finally, before we go, I just wanted to highlight again the offering that Sacred Tree and the Safe Coalition have combined to uh, to offer to the community free of charge. Can you describe to us what that is? Yes. I have to say that I am really um, in awe of this new relationship between Safe Coalition and Sacred Tree. So we've come together with a purpose, and our purpose is to work with people who are struggling with addiction in in any form of addiction that people may have. So we have um, a class every Friday night from 7 to 8 o'clock. It is a yoga for recovery. That yoga for recovery is for anybody who is in a place that needs support through their recovery. It is an additional option to their 12-step program, and it allows them to come in and to be able to have an hour practice where they can practice their mindfulness and work on movement. And one of the things that I want to really um, educate people is, is that this is a very approachable practice. This is not a, you know, practice that is um, difficult in any way. It's physically, it's more of a gentle practice. But what we're trying to do is just bring in um, the gifts of being able to work with the mind, the body, and the spirit through Mm -hmm. insights and And there's another session, too. Yes, and then the additional session is a session that is focused around the families Mm -hmm. and the loved ones of those who are going through recovery or who are in recovery. And it helps to give them the opportunity to be nurtured and to just have time to take care of themselves. So Mm -hmm. a lot of self-love. So both of them are really about self-love and Mm self-care and to, once again, return to community with support. And I want people to know I attend the... uh, as much as I can, I attend the uh, earlier session for family members. It is wonderful, and it is uh, quite often jammed. Uh, so you do want to go online and make a reservation. It is free of charge uh, due to our great partnership with Sacred Tree. But we want to make sure you get into that. Um, and we are expanding the the second one we're looking to to carry that message out into the community. Uh, and we're talking about transportation vouchers and things like that, mm-hmm. so to make it really, really accessible. But uh, we sure appreciate the partnership, and I know a lot of people are getting a lot of healing. Yeah. I want to thank both Angela and Stu for coming in today. Can't thank you enough. And we're very grateful, Jim, that you invited us here today. And Jim, thank you so much for inviting us. I wanted to tell you that you did an incredible job, and we really enjoyed uh, the magical flow that happened. Awesome. And that we hope that we helped at least one person with this interview. 
Well, we're going to, you know, folks, I, I think we're going to repeat this um, as long as Stu and Angela are available because uh, that's how much I enjoyed this. So for Angela Cody and Stu Klein, my name is Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Chapters. Chapters.